Grammy nominations announced, Sia Movie Controversy, and Spotify's Top Artist of 2020. That showbiz, baby. Welcome to episode 26 of That Showbiz Baby Podcast, your all things music, business, and media podcast. I'm your host, Colin McKay, with my co-host, Joseph Wazaleski. Hello. Long time no see, Joe. Holiday yeah. break. Took it off, but we didn't miss much. The news was slow, so that worked out in our favor. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody's taken off during the holidays. It's a, This is always like a weird time for the music industry because it, it's like, you know, we go like a hundred percent the entire year and, and then, then winter just slows down unless yeah. you're releasing like a Christmas album or something. But yeah. Even we, then it's not as close as summer. Exactly. And it's even weird this year because of COVID and everything. So it's still kind of inking into, um, to December a little bit more than it usually is. But I mean, the Grammys were announced. Uh, we have a bunch of uh, interesting articles this week, so yeah. I'm excited to dive into those. Hey, but if you want, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. if you want some more interesting articles, you can follow us at Twitter at ShowbizBabyPod, Facebook and Instagram at that ShowbizBabyPodcast, and email that ShowbizBabyPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, Colin covered my ass there, if you didn't notice. I didn't, yeah, <laughs> I didn't mean to pull, I feel like Gus and Eddie, where I just was like stealing the intro from you, but it needed to be yeah, said. Thank, thank you. I appreciate that. We got some that. cool sayings on there if you want a reminder of life every once in a while yeah and i'm a toddler colin i need to my hand held and i need you to just do my job for me yeah oh and also <laughs> you can check out our youtube that showbiz baby podcast uh He's still going because uh you can see either the video version of this and we got some more content coming up uh, involving christmas songs and grammys so be on the lookout for that yep all right but colin we're gonna dive in with sia yeah. Yes. So uh, before we left, this was kind of breaking and going, and then it kind of developed more. But uh, Sia had to react to a lot of criticism and uh, just a lot of stuff being thrown at this trailer that of this movie she's involved with music from the autism community. And basically, uh, she kind of was going off on Twitter in this not good way. So um, on the 19th, Sia released a one minute trailer for a movie called Music on her official YouTube page, for which this movie is her directorial debut. And she also wrote the script and the 10 songs that will be accompanying the album. I, th- I think it's important to know, obviously, because she's like fully invested in this. Yeah. This isn't just like, oh, I did the soundtrack. Like she is almost all parts of this. So this is definitely close to heart. And I think this is why her response may have been very uh you know verbose it basically it started to get a lot of attention from the autism community due to the main character in the trailer named music who appears to be a non-verbal but also appears to communicate to the world through song and dance um and the negative attention from what i've seen is mainly due to the character being played by a neurotypical actor see his response to the criticism over that and the movie partnering partnering with a controversial autism activist ah wow that's a lot of a's autism <laughs> advocacy group autism speaks and which it's, it's important to note uh i'm not really going to touch on that last one but i needed to note it um and because it's kind of out of our expertise and focus on the podcast but if you would like to research more i would encourage you to do so there's like so much involving that that uh i can't really go into we're not doctors so like i can't go into all that yeah um so basically i found a retweet from sia on that front and she basically said autism speaks come 
came on like way longer in the process after the film was finished four years in fact and i had no idea it was such a polarizing group so maybe she didn't know the criticism what's there um so going to the other things so she started getting all that attention for this neurotypical actor and the like depiction of this uh person who has autism in the movie and she started tweeting and she goes grr fucking fuck why don't you watch my film before you judge it fury which it's censored but like what you know why yeah it's twitter who the hell cares um so basically when also when irish actor brona wah tweeted hi sia can i ask why you didn't cast a disabled actor for this part it's pretty offensive the way you've chosen to portray the character people with disabilities are not broken and don't need fixing many of my friends have different disabilities and there are some and then it goes on longer and sia responded i agree i've never referred to music as disabled special abilities is what i've always said and casting someone at her level of functioning was cruel not kind so i made the executive decision that we would do our best to lovingly represent the community and then basically someone said to that thread do you did you do any research or consult the community at all and uh sia wrote duh i spent three fucking years researching and i'm like okay. yeah okay uh coming along a little yeah. hot there sia <laughs> so uh later adding that she was confused at the pushback since the character is entirely based on her neuroatypical friend in response to another commentator who asked why it would be cruel to cast someone with the character's abilities in place of Sia's longtime foil slash video avatar Ziggler. He found it too stressful being nonverbal and I made this movie with nothing but love for him and his mother. Again, she's the writer. So this he's kind of based off of, the main character is based off of him. Um, she added quote, 13 people are on the spectrum in this movie and uh, to show her representation and a screenshot of Sia, which was really circulating, circulating around has been going kind of crazy because basically she's replying to this, uh, tweet and it's the tweet originally was, uh, several autistic actors, myself included, respond to these tweets. We have all said we could have acted in it on short notice. These excuses are just excuses. The fact of the matter is zero effort has been made to include anyone who is actually autistic. Hashtag nothing about us without us. To which Sia replied, maybe you're just a bad actor. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> um, and Sia would later reply to the same tweet, fucking bull bullshit you have no fucking idea because you were there and haven't seen the movie the national autism society weighed in saying sia got this one wrong there are so many talented autistic actors out there like and then it names a bunch of them i don't want to really want to go through but uh, some of them are sakai alex mac and holly who starred in our hashtag autism tmi films and then notable to note, there are some people who are defending Sia, noting how people were giving her such harsh criticism without actually seeing the whole film and its portrayal of the uh, neuroatypical uh, music in the movie. And later Sia noted that she had, quote, two people on the spectrum advising her at all times and that she believes quote, the movie is both a love letter to caregivers and the autism community. I believe the movie is beautiful and will create more good than harm. And if I'm wrong, I'll pay for it for the rest of my life. All right. She's so, got her cards on the table there. So like, yeah, <laughs> I, reading this and knowing her involvement in the film because she's so involved, like 
it, you can tell, you know, this is a very personal thing for her. And mm -hmm. I can see, you know, it makes sense knowing this information, why she's so combative. Yeah. I, I think, I think she's coming on a little, it doesn't give her the right to do yeah, that. It and seems, it's making a worse deal. <laughs> it seems more defensive than it is actually like educating, which is, isn't this what the whole movie is supposed to be for is right. to kind of help educate and, and, uh, represent and uh you know all of those things but it seems like her response isn't really to the same level to where the movie needs to be right you know? and she clearly bolstered even more of a negative response and connotation with this movie by acting this way and true and tweeting out these kind of things yeah because i think if she attacked this from being like hey we had two people on the spectrum consulting on the movie. I have 13 people in, in the movie that are on the spectrum and saying like all of that and then going like, please, you know, take a chance with this movie, you know, watch the full movie, not just the one minute trailer. I really tried my hardest. I wrote it. I, you know, wrote it about my friend who suffers, you know, and goes through life being narrow, a typical and stuff like that. And so like, that's kind of what I think she should have said. Yeah. But like, I, I don't just know. didn't land. Right. She, she, kind she says this, but it's like in this negative, you know, space, um, which I'm going to also back up. I didn't mean to say suffered because I don't feel like, you know, people with, who suffer with autism, who suffer with autism, people who have had autism are not suffering, which is kind of the big deal in this movie. Uh, I mean, I've had to do a lot of education and to like, you know, understand the story and understand where they're coming from. Um, so yeah, sorry about that. But basically, yeah, it's, it's a roller coaster to be honest, because I don't know. I, I don't know how this film's going to fare because it seems no, no offense. It seems to have a niche audience. Like it seems to be for the autism community specifically. You know what I mean? It's and it doesn't seem like the that. autism community wants it. Right. And like on top of her, you know, having this neurotypical actor and also having, you know, uh, this autism speaks group, in there which is very controversial it seems like the autism community is not about it yeah so like i'm a little worried you know for sia especially if it does badly like what her response might be mm -hmm. especially since you know she's getting criticism from a one minute you know trailer they have the whole movie to dissect and destroy and she's put you know all her love and soul into writing the script and the songs and picking out all these people. And it's literally been a multi-year process. You know, I don't know how she's going to fare with that. If that yeah. makes sense. Uh, I know you said you didn't want to like dive too, too far into it, but could you kind of give me uh, an so, outline of the autism speaks? So basically thing? from my research, uh, they've had a lot of issues with like trying to unite the autism community under one banner because they're an advocacy group, but the way they talk about autism is controversial, especially because like, like I was saying, I said suffered before and I didn't mean that because I was having kind of a uh, thing from reading autism speak stuff because they believe autism and any kind of like, um, you know, uh, mental capacity, in thing going on is a disease and needs to be cured. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of viewed controversially. Uh, they've had things with uh, people have been mad at them for do because they do a lot of studies and with money, like the efficiency of the money is one thing because they get a lot of money. So that's always with any charity group or advocacy group, but also they've got a lot of crap for um, looking into vaccines and what they do 
if they cause autism or something like that. And people thought that was legitimizing the platform. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Like that's kind of the three that I saw that were big. I'm sure there's many, again, I'm not a member of the autism community, but that's kind of what I saw big picture that was in it. And a lot of people, if you go to the video are saying like the top comments of the video of music is like, why are you with this group? Like what's going on? You know what I mean? So definitely not winning any popularity contests right, right at, now. At, at the minimum, it, I, obviously, I don't know because I'm not part of the autism community, but in my research, at the minimum, the group seems divisive. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was a good move on her part to partner the movie. With. Yeah, I, I wonder how this idea came to be because it seems like she went into it honestly not. I mean, I know she's saying she's researched for the past three years in that one tweet, but it seemed like before that she wasn't researching. Right. It seems to me what was happening is that she's trying to write, you know, kind of a loving thing for her neuroatypical friend and her mother is kind of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But the autism community has different ideas than her particularly on autism and stuff like that. And, you know, especially in a film, again, we're judging this based off a one minute trailer. So I will give her that, that like, maybe we should wait until the, movie yeah, comes maybe out. we, maybe we got to wait. I mean, she could maybe do some changes, rewrites or something like that. But based on the one minute trailer, I see other than, you know, a neurotypical person playing it, which there's all, you know, whole debate in Hollywood about like who should play different roles based off of the capacity of the actor and also the capacity of the character. But like the other issue at fact is there's, it seems to be it, it, it to me, it seems like she's so wrapped up in her image of like what her friend goes through and what her mother or the mother goes through. She's not really taking the whole community. Right. So she may be be like, you know, she may have her opinions of her own that are not, you know, kind of majority owned in the autism community. And so like, she thought, Oh, I'm just, you know, she's like, I'm coming from a good place here. You know, I'm doing the best I can and everything. And I really, you know, and it, I feel like she might feel insulted for her friend, you know what I mean? Cause she's like, no, I do really love, like that seems to come into question her, you know, love for him and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think she's just very offended by it. Um, I'd be interested what's going to happen because like, again, it's just very niche from like, you know, what it's been marketed as. It seems like that the autism community would have to embrace it for it to go into the major spectrum. Yeah. Of like, you know, consumerism and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I mean, it's got 10 songs on the album, so definitely, or 10 song album. So that definitely, you know, see a fans who are not necessarily part of the autism community could be drawn to that and other people could be drawn to that. But again, I don't know how it seemed like a musical from the trailer. So it's not like, it's not like soundtrack music. So that's very important. So you could probably listen to this side from the movie and understand everything, like actually enjoy the song to its fullest. It's not like a musical it doesn't seem to me from the trailer that it's like a musical song where there's like characters named and like story, you know, people talking over it actually just seems like songs. Yeah. So like, that's the other thing it has going for it is you could get more people from there. But you know, if these people are going to be attracted from this album and all they see is, Oh, this is about, you know, someone who's neuroatypical and stuff. What is the neuro like atypical community have to say about this and every one of the reviews is like this is terrible this is awful you know what i mean that's gonna drive people away you know what i mean because nobody wants to be part of the problem of you know 
looking at representation the wrong way or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's she's gonna de- she's definitely fighting an uphill battle at this point. Um, and she just dug the biggest hole for her. Yeah, I I agree. I think she could have handled that much better. But um, yeah, I do think maybe we should wait until the movie comes out just so we know. Exactly yeah, that's kind of my into. thing too. Is I'm like, it's a one minute trailer. Somebody cut this together. I mean, I will say she seems heavily involved from writing and being the director and stuff. So I'm sure she was involved with the cut of the trailer, but like, you know, we, we have to give it at least some due diligence to hopefully give up, you know, maybe give to itself because again, it does seem like it's made from love. You know what I mean? Like from a point of like, I want people to know about this. I want, you know, people who are neuroatypical to be celebrated. Yeah. So like, I, you know, it's not coming from a bad place, but like, I'm still worried, you know, I don't want these, you know, this community to be represented in a terrible way. You know what I mean? I also don't want Sia to lose her mind, you know, and be like, I'm so, you know, so mad about this. I put my whole heart into it and just end her career in a Twitter well, rampage. Or you know, something. if anybody should be mad, I don't think it's Sia, you know, in right. this situation. I well, don't think no, she... yeah, it's so minuscule compared to the community. But what I'm yeah. saying is like looking at both sides, I just feel like I don't want either, you know, I don't want these people to be represented in a terrible way that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people could view and be like, oh, this is what neurotypical people deal with and this is how they are. You know, I don't want that to happen, but I also don't want Sia to just be like, because I like her music, you know, I don't want her to like end her career, you know what I mean? By basically just going off and being like, oh, I'm so involved with this and stuff. So I have to care so much. And if I, you know, if these people are hurting me, but, you know, taking it so personal instead of taking criticism from a community that you're making a movie about. Yeah. Like, I don't well, know. And it seems like she's not really taking criticism so far. Yeah. The only well. one that was kind of mild mannered that I found was that one about autism speak where she speaks where she was like, I did not know that. I'm sorry. It's very polarizing. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. let's see, we'll have to see what she does. I mean, like if there's more trailers that come out and stuff and it just gets bombarded, who knows? You know? Yep. We shall see. Um, but moving on, Spotify has announced their most streamed artist of 2020 and Colin, can you guess who it is? Well, I couldn't, but I'm reading it in front of me. <laughs> so <laughs> give me a guess, Colin. <laughs> Come on. You got this. Wow. From what I'm reading? Yeah. Bad Bunny. Wow. <laughs> you got it, Colin. I'm very good at guessing. <laughs> All right. Benito Antonio Martinez Ocasio, a.k.a. Puerto Rican pop icon Bad Bunny, has been in demand over the recent years after his appearance in Cardi B's I Like It, which propelled him into the view of the global market and has allowed him to collaborate with artists such as Ricky Martin, J-Lo, Maluma, Daddy Yankee, and many more. His third studio album, Yohago Lo Que Me Da La Gana, I might have totally butchered that. I'm sorry if I, I did. I don't think it was that terrible. Yeah. We'll see. Released, his, uh, released this year has exploded on the streaming site as well as becoming the highest charting all Spanish album of all time on the U.S. Billboard chart. He has since released two more studio projects as well as appearing as a guest performer during the 2020 Super Bowl halftime show with Shakira and J-Lo. And currently, the artist has tested positive for COVID-19, but has said that his symptoms have been mild and that he is almost recovered, as reported November 23rd. So Bad Bunny was also the first Latin rap artist on the cover of Rolling Stone and... 
Latin music is in high demand and has been in the industry since Despacito, a song by Luis Fonzi, took the world by storm in 2017, and arguably it's been in demand long before that as well. So what does this mean? So there's a couple things uh, that are important uh, about this, but the biggest thing is that language barriers and music may be diminishing and with streaming it, uh, with streaming artists, uh, artists could break into different global markets a lot easier than they could before, if that makes sense. So um, before, you know, in order to break into the American market, you had to be in America, right? You had to have an album released in America. You had to have an American producer. You had to have all this stuff in order to get this this album cycle, um, in order to uh, elongate the album cycle more, you know, and get as many sales and as much attention as possible. Um, but now it seems like with streaming, you can really be anywhere in the world. You can upload your music. Um, you can produce it with producers from, you know, around the world as well with uh, how easy it is to get tracks to people. And I mean, you can blow up overnight, it seems like. But with Bad Bunny, uh, he definitely had um, a career before his uh, appearance on Cardi B's track. Um, and so uh, a lot of, at the time too, I think people don't realize this, but uh, when Despacito like blew up, people were talking um for like two years before that, hey, Latin music is is the new thing. Like we need to sign a bunch of Latin artists and we need to get uh, these tracks like on, on our radar, on our roster as quickly as possible. And then Despacito blew up, became a huge meme. Everybody loved it. And then after that, it was like, okay, we now is the time. So that's why, you know, if you listen to Cardi B's track, it's directly because of Despacito. I mean, you can tell. Yeah, I think it's it's heavily like Spanish, Hispanic, you know, influence. The Latin music. influence. And yeah. So like that's you know that's kind of a thing. I and that's that was an interesting time because it, it it almost felt like the only. I mean, this has happened multiple times in music, but it almost felt like you know in the '90s when people were like, just go to Seattle and start getting people with flannel and sign them. You know, exactly what I mean? like with Nirvana. Um, it but was like, the same. It's kind of the same thing where it was like we need to be going to a tons of Latin communities and countries and we need to find these artists because they're about to explode and we might only have this limited time <laughs> to get these artists. Right. It, it, and, you know, it seemed like it was either going to be making a huge base for, you know, uh, Latin music to expand into America and become more of, you know, instead of a once in a while thing, a mainstay. And if not, people were like, well, we'll have our time, we'll get our things and then we're out. You know what I mean? And then like, that's kind of what I think people, I, I think that's kind of, we were in the middle in between there went from after Despacito. There's a lot of Latin influence in music and a lot of Latin artists. They're growing big. And like you're saying into the main space of America and other markets that don't primarily speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would also add to that is that, I think the expanding markets of the Spanish speaking countries has grown as well, yeah. especially with, you know, more access to internet streaming, uh, phones and stuff like that has gr grown in so many countries and to a level that, that also could be helping bad bunny in there. Because, you know, if you're already past the language barrier and your, you know, cultural background, you know, your music has 
escape that place, then nothing's stopping you. So like, you know, especially with the modernization of the world in terms of phones and streaming and stuff like that, it's still expanding. Like he already got past, you know, Oh, you're only a Latin artist. You're only going to be played in Latin America or South America and stuff like that. He he's already passed that. So it's like, Oh, okay. We can listen to America. We can listen to the UK. We can listen to him in India. You know what I mean? So like, that's the other thing I would say is part of his success is that, he was able to break that barrier, you know, in Latin music. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing, uh, the, the biggest way he was able to break that is through the production of a lot of the songs. Um, because it is still, it's still, it has a Latin feel. It has a Latin beat a lot of the time, but it still has that like modern production behind it. Right. And then, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, he's not a one hit in that terms either. I mean, number three is, a. J J Balvin and like he's from Colombia and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So like he's not alone in this, you know, Spanish uh Latin music yeah. growing. And a lot of American artists are are ripping I, w- I I guess taking I don't know, ripping, taking off the sound, whatever you want to call it. It seems to me that a lot of them are like let's play in this for a minute. Like, yeah, just go, we could do a Latin. Well, and song. a lot of that is because, you know, management or, or whoever label exec is like, Hey, we have to have at least one Latin sounding track on this in order to get it to the world market. Right. And so like, that's kind of what they do is they're just like, okay, well, why don't you just, you know, and you're out and, and it, and the best part, it can be inclusion. And then the worst part, it could be tokenism. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so like you're you're gonna have to make that decision as a consumer if you're listening to something, if you're like, this just feels, you know, a little bit like we're just putting our, you know, water, you know, we're putting our foot in the water just because we can and we know that, you know, Latin beats are hot and it feels superficial. You just gotta figure that out yourself. Well, Uh, I think with Bad Bunny too, if you look at his career, another way he was able to break it out is because he was featured on so many uh, you know, English tracks. Um, mm-hmm. as well and he was able to really connect mainstream english artists to his his songs like he had drake on a full spanish song yeah you know like speaking spanish on his song like that's a that's a insanely huge deal I, because english has been the dominating language of, music. Uh, of world music mm-hmm. yeah basically at this point so it when you're able to bridge that gap now um, and more and more people are being exposed to uh, Latin music, to K-pop, to uh, Indian music, to, you know, who knows what else that's going to come in popularity soon. Um, it's insanely exciting uh, because it opens the door to a lot more places than just, you know, you got to make it to America to make it in the world. Right. Um, and also, I think it just, you know, it keeps a lot of people on their toes and, 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 also educates people with other cultures, which I think at the end of the day, that's is now what music is all about. You right. Know? And it's, it's great that he's doing that by speaking Spanish because you've seen it in other like K-pop, you know what I mean? Like all the songs that tr- that go really, really big and like, you know, BTS and, uh, and like Blackpink and all that kind of stuff have been breaking it a little bit, but like most of them are in English, you know what I mean? Like, and stuff like that. So that's the amazing part about it is mm-hmm. especially with rap particularly because like in you know i mean if you're kind of a rap fan or anything like that it's just like you know lyrics are so important you lose the you 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 know obviously there's a melody to your voice even if you're not quote-unquote singing straight up but like you lose that aspect of it and so like there's kind of a double emphasis on the lyrics and the rhythm and so like you know to have that and to have people that aren't that don't know spanish you know what i mean like that are like 
oh, we like this, even though we can't understand him is amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I think to uh, most listeners, I have a feeling, you know, there, there are definitely listeners that listen for lyrics, but I think the, the majority of people care more about the beat, the feel of the song rather than the lyrics of the song. I would agree with you. If they're catchy lyrics, even better, but I don't think the lyrics necessarily make or break the thing. I would agree with you, but like at the same time though, there's always in like any of that kind of music, there's always a line, you know, end of a phrase lines, beginning of a phrase. Yeah, but the stuff people, but what I'm saying is, is the meaning behind it. Like, yes, the structure of lyrics are important in the song, but a lot of that is like rhythm, how you pronounce it, just the tonality of what you're saying. Right. Rather than the meaning behind this word, what does this phrase mean? You know right. what I mean? And uh, I, I also think um, to a certain extent, that's great. Uh, but like you said, what if you, you know, you don't know what the song is saying. You don't know what the song's about. Yeah. Like, it it's could like, mean anything. It's like uh, if you don't know song? it. Uh, lifestyle. Where, you know, he says that song where, like, and, you know, he's in the car in the music video and they get to the chords and, and I literally like it took me years to finally kind of understand what he was saying, but I Is still the, liked the, it. The, 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 the lifestyle. Yeah, like okay. I, it took me forever <laughs> to understand it, but it was like the phrasing of it and like the actual melody of just the way he's saying it. <laughs> I was still hooked. I like how you chose that song. <laughs> it's kind of the same way with metal for me too. Like if I listen to like super hardcore music or something like that and they're really screaming, yeah. like it took me a couple year or two to like actually be able to kind of decipher it in my brain. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, even non, you know, language barrier yeah. stuff, it well, could still be a, you know, issue and, and it could still work. And pop music particularly is notorious for bad lyrics. And you know what? It doesn't fucking matter right. they still chart all the time yeah <laughs> so I, I completely agree yeah it, and i i just you know it's amazing to see him do that in a completely different language it's that's i think what i think is a big deal for a lot of people is that you know obviously he's gonna he's you know doing great in his traditional markets of like latin america and other spanish-speaking places and people who you know can understand spanish and stuff like that but i think it's amazing the amount of crossover he has and how like he has maintained that without losing you know that cross collateralization you know between that like on the cardi b song like i like his yeah. part of the cardi b song you know and well like that. and I, that's why i think the feature thing is so important you know because it's been able to and keep that's him kind in. of the thing i wanted to know and we talked about is like is the features counted in this streaming? I don't know. I, I really don't know the answer to that because these are, are most of these other than number five is the weekend are, are rappers. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering if I'm going to say yes. I think the, I think the features does count because do you know, like when you go to Spotify and it, when the featured artist is in the title of the song, you can mm-hmm. go, it'll, it'll be like, it'll pull up, you know, artist list and I'll have both artists. Listed. So like I can see that benefiting, you know, obviously people who, Oh, I like this person click. Okay. We're going to this person. Now. Well that, and I think the track is on their page too. Right. That's so, what I'm wondering in terms of that. Does that like count? You know what I mean? I think and it so, does. The that's more I what, think about that's it. what I'm wondering because like it could be, I mean, I agree that that's like a, I, I would consider that, Oh, you're listening to the song and you know, you want to listen to this person. You've selected the song and he's a feature and most of the time a feature, you're like a third of the song, mm-hmm. you know, at least. So I would say, Oh, okay. As a consumer, you have accepted this choice. You actually want to listen to it. Um, but you know, it's kind of, 
it's kind of, that's why I'm quite, that's why I was wondering, you know, this, Ooh, what was that? Um, did, did we lost light. <laughs> no, you're good. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, we just had a weird light out in here. Um, but like, yeah, it's like one of those things where I just don't understand. Like, I, I don't understand the counting. I would love to know the counting. Like, what's the basis of the counting and stuff like that? And like, what factors into that? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it definitely, uh, I, I would like to research more into that, but I definitely do think the features count. Yeah. yeah, especially if you're titled in in the song. Yeah, you know? and there's actually even more interesting statistics, but I didn't want to go through like everything because we want to talk about the Grammys too, and it would literally be us talking about lists forever. Yeah, so like that's fine. I mean, like I, just a few shoutouts that I think are interesting. It's like Billie Eilish is the most streamed female artist, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And then the this is going to relate to my next story. Number two, most streamed album globally after hours of the weekend, and number one most strong most streamed songs globally is Blinding Lights, and that's important for my next category because the weekend has been getting uh, anytime Grammys come up people are like these people were snubbed but the Grammys uh, particularly have like always just been like yeah that's just the name of the game you know like people get mad about their album but the weekend has had a lot of people and himself talking about why is not why is the weekend not in any category so basically shortly after his announcement or the announcement of the Grammys, the weekend took to Twitter to announce his feelings about not being nominated in any category. And he goes, quote, the Grammys remain corrupt. You owe me my fans and the industry transparency. And so many were also shocked in the industry and general public due to the mass success of the weekend single blinding lights and after hours, which I just listed some things, but also we've covered in the past how blinding lights broke the record for most weeks at number one on the radio songs chart. And most recently the single has spent a full year on the hot 100 chart and the album of song and song have done so well. I could literally keep listing statistics like that over and over. So, you know, clearly it's not a lack of consumers, you know, listening to this. And many artists have also come to his support and have, you know, shown their outrage about his lack of Grammy nominations. Uh, Drake saying on Instagram, quote, I think we should stop allowing ourselves to be shocked every year by the disconnect between impactful music and these awards and just accept that what once was the highest form of recognition may no, no longer matter to artists that exist now and the ones that come after and I love this. It's like a relative you keep expecting to fix up, but they just can't change their ways. He also added that he thought the weekend quote ha- as a lock for either album or song of the year, along with countless other reasonable assumptions. And it just never goes that way. Halsey also was one who was considered to be snubbed and she considered herself to kind of be snubbed too, as I'll read in the statement, but she specifically was saying support for the weekend and adding on the Grammys. She goes, the Grammys are an elusive process. It can often be about behind the scenes, private performances, knowing the right people campaigning through the grapevine with the right handshakes and bribes that can be just ambiguous enough to pass as not bribes. And if you get that far, it's about committing to exclusive TV performances and making sure you help the Academy make their millions in advertising on the night of the show, dot, dot, dot. Perhaps sometimes it is, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, but it's not always about the music or the quality or culture. Um, 
And then basically, she all uh, basically the Grammys had to make a response to this because people were all talking about it. And so Harvey Mason Jr., the Recording Academy's chair and interim president slash chief ex- chief executive o- officer, shared with CNN and other others. He said, "Quote: We understand that the weekend is disappointed at not being nominated. I was surprised and can emphasize with that with, with what he feels. His music this year was excellent." His statements. Uh, his statement continues. We were thrilled when we found out that he he would be performing at the upcoming Super Bowl, and we would have loved to have him also perform on the Grammy stage that week, the weekend before. To be clear, voting in all categories ended well before the weekend's performance at the Super Bowl was announced. So in no way could it have been uh, affected the nomination process. So the last part of the statement. I, I wanted to include has to deal with a lot of reports that people have been saying because Variety said a source close to the situation told Variety that the Grammys and the weekend's team were at odds over him playing both the January 31st Grammy ceremony and the Super Bowl halftime show, which occurs a week later. But Variety asserts that it seems more to deal with the Grammy committees simply not picking him, which they even talk about later that there may have been an issue about what category the weekend was in because the, the actual committees work so independently from each other. So they like the main ones they mentioned were pop and R and B. So they thought maybe a theory was, is that maybe the pop section didn't put him in to the pop, like actual nominations because they thought he was going to get picked in R and B and maybe R and B thought, Oh, he's going to get picked into pop. Which I mean, we it's it, it's stupid. It's, it's <laughs> dumb. I'm not I, gonna lie. That's so, that's such a dumb excuse. Yeah. So uh, here here's my opinion about it, and we'll probably talk more about the Grammys here in a second. But like the weekend, I I listened to the whole album. I listened to the whole thing, like you know, because I I've listened to Blinding Lights like a million times, not by choice, and so. I was like, okay, let's see. Cause I think blinding lights is okay. I don't think it's like the greatest song ever. And I listened to it and the album's pretty good. And I think honestly, there's better songs on that album than blinding lights is in terms of like all that stuff. I get why it's big, obviously from the form factor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so in my opinion, I think he should have at least been in the album category or, you know, song category. I mean, or he had a ins- category. Yeah. Just numbers. Like looking at the numbers, he had an insane year, right? Like it, it makes absolutely no sense that he wouldn't at least have been nominated for one or two, right? You know, and it seems like and w- and some of these people, which we discussed off mic, uh, it it seems like I haven't even heard about these people for years, right? And we're gonna have <laughs> like some content about the Grammys in a future YouTube video, so we're not gonna talk about picks, but there's like some things that like you know we're like, why is this in here? Like, I'll, I'll just put this straight out. I don't know why Everyday Life by Coldplay is in there and After Hours is not in there. Yeah. I don't know why this Jacob Collier album is in there and not After Hours. You know what I mean? And I look, I don't think that, you know, and the, the Academy also doesn't think this, but I personally don't think that commercial success equals into the Grammys. I don't think that's like a one-to-one equation. Um, but I think it's, you know, a little ignorant if you're trying to, you know, this is a... It, it's supposed to be, you know, picked by industry people and all this kind of stuff. So it's supposed to be kind of exclusive and all this kind of stuff. But like, even then it's hard to ignore, you know, the presence of that album and yeah. like all that kind of stuff in your decisions. Um, mm-hmm. I think personally on the whole situation, I think Drake hit it on the nail with saying about, you know, there's been a disconnect between the Grammys and impactful music for an amount of time. 
Yeah. Why are we surprised at this? Why point? are we surprised? You know, we need, we keep telling it to fix itself and it's not, and we've covered a bunch of Grammy changes and them changing how the committees work and stuff. And I think there's steps forward, but like at the same time, I think the Grammys is in a weird place because, you know, I mean, if you talk to anyone that's not, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably, you know, a very music aficionado in some way. But if you talk to like a regular person, it would be like, what's the biggest thing you could get if you were an artist? They would probably say a Grammy. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like awards. Yeah. And I like, mean, the name value is so high. Right. And so like, and I, not only the name value, but I mean, when, if you win a Grammy, your sales like sometimes triple. Right. You know, and overnight, so like so. It, it works, you know what I mean? In terms of like, it's a thing that you want to win other yeah. than the prestige and like it's held in high regard. And I agree with Drake that like, you know, I, I think it would be fine for us as, you know, a society to try to, you know, go away from the Grammys and maybe make a new award or do something like that. But until we also stop supporting it so much, it's not going to happen until, you know, artists aren't putting all over. Oh, I have, you know, there's artists that we know that like, just put, you know, I'm the, I was the number one fiddle player on the Canadian rock charts for two weeks in a <laughs> row, uh, while also basket weaving. And that's like their <laughs> press photo. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, that's underneath the press photo is that whole thing I just said, <laughs> but like that, you know, that's kind of the thing is like, as an industry, we can't stop the prevalence of the Grammys unless we all agree to, you know? Mm. And so that's kind of part of the problem. Well, and, and then if it's not the Grammys, it's, it's probably going to be another award uh thing that's going to take its place right like the vmas or you know something like that and uh, i think the main issue with the grammys as we have seen over and over and over again is like halsey said um it's you're basically running a campaign yeah it's very close to how the oscars are in terms of like having to really campaign for yourself yeah all this stuff in there so your team your manager has to like shake hand, a lot of hands, you know, and they have to take a lot of people out to dinner and they have to do all this stuff. Unless, and a lot of people don't like to talk about it because they don't like to come out and say, Oh yeah, I've been taken to dinner 20 right. times. This and, week. Or we campaign for it and stuff like that. Yeah. And I agree with the weekend statement. It's like, we know there's committees and stuff like that, but like, I would like, you know, I think the general public would like more of a know, like how do these people get selected? Like, what's it like on a committee like all this kind of well and just getting a grammy vote in general you know right because well and there's the debate like you said before it's picked by industry you know executive specialists uh but does do we need to open it up to um more of a like a public input like i would be cool if an award show did that if it's you know we're in a day and age if you literally got everybody got to vote and if somehow they had the it infrastructure to prevent you know, like mass voter. Well, doesn't the VMAs do that? Yeah, to an extent, but like, you know, there's still like a committee, but I think it's like the same, like you, you do have like a public vote system that then translates to. Right. But I think it's, I I think there's, it's still a basis of like, they get to pick, you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of stuff. And like that, that's kind of my thing. I think it'd be interesting to have a, you know, human kind of selection process, but then at what point could you scam that? You know, could I hire someone to write a program that just opens, you know, a million tabs on a million different computers to vote? What do I have to do? Give my phone number? You know, could I just get like a bunch of fake Google Hangout phone numbers and put that together? Yeah. What's the end? You know, and that's kind of the thing, which I get. I get why there's gatekeepers to the Grammys. I don't, you know, I think that there's, you know, some things, especially in the categories we don't hear about that, like, 
would go unnoticed and unrecognized without people who specialize in those sort of fields. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like, I feel like the give and take of gatekeeper to public is a little off. And a lot of people say that. Yeah. Well, I, and well, I guess we could just move on. We could just open it up to the Grammys in general. Sure. Um, but like we said before, some of these names on these lists, just it, they really don't add up to me. Some like, especially the Coldplay one. So you know? like, yeah. And, and the Jacob Collier one as well. But like, it's, it's, it's just weird. Like going down this list. Cause you're like, I don't really think these are Grammy worthy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, so, I don't think they like even have, like, I haven't even heard of half. So of here's, here's my thing. I think if we think is like, if we think the Grammys, it's like these people are the best of the best music industry people. They yeah. are the people that know music and this is supposed to be maybe an honor. If they position the Grammys like this is supposed to be an honor within the industry, it's like a high honor. I get it from that perspective. Like, yeah, but if we're looking at the popular music categories, we need to be taking popular popularity into account. Right. And I don't think they're doing that. So I think there's a level to it and I think that I, I think it personally, it's just, I'm fine with the Grammys having a balance of both of having like, we, you know, as a committee, we thought this song was inventive and new, yeah. even though it's, you know, some other song was really popular or something, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and the other thing is that I think a lot of people forget with the Grammys is that it's got a weird thing of being absolute versus relative in terms of the Grammys are supposed to be a relative year. And that relative year is supposed to be comparison to everything that came out in music. And like, we're saying this is the best of the best of like, you know, whatever category. So like yeah, song of the year, if we had every song on a list somewhere, right. And we went through it, it's supposed to be relatively compared to it. So I think that's one thing that people sometimes get off of with the Grammys, which I don't agree with is they're like, because there's so much an immense amount of music now that's not cataloged because again, the Grammys have had a hard time updating with the ability, you know, like us right now recording, like we could do, we could make an album right now, basically if we wanted to, you know what I mean? Like we have that capacity back in the day. It's like the record labels are the gatekeepers. You, you don't make an album unless the rec- record company pays for it. Yeah. So it was a little easier back then when you didn't have like a million bajillion songs a year. So like now they're this weird thing where it's like, yeah, it's a relative contest against, is this song better than another song? But it's almost absolute in being like, there's an infinite amount of music that comes out in a year. Like in fact, like I don't think you could listen. I don't think it's physically possible for anyone to listen to the amount of music that comes out in a year, just on like one streaming platform in a year. You yeah. Know what I mean? It's not possible. So like, that's the problem with the Grammys in a lot of ways is that you have that weird balance now of like, like I'm saying relative to absolute because yeah. these picks feel relative. Oh, okay. This song is better than this song. Like I, I'm just going to make an example. Of this in my opinion, like say so is a better song than everything I wanted. But then there's people in the back of their head that are like, is there a better song than say so? Because there's an infinite amount of songs that basically come out a year. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is why I think to a certain extent you do have to take those popularity numbers into account because that's what differentiates those songs from all of the other songs, right? And it, it depends and on the category too. It does depend on the category. Um, but I, I do think it is the Grammys are mostly 
a campaign. <laughs> that's that's what you have to think of when you think of the Grammys. There was a lot of handshaking. There was a lot of uh, dinner buying. There was a lot of conversations happening behind the scenes with a lot of the voters in order to see who they were going to go for. And that might be, some people might think that's fair. Some people might be like, whatever, you know. But uh, I think that inhibits a lot of 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 um, where we want to place the music because isn't it supposed to be about the music? If if we're taking away popularity, we're taking away however we feel about a certain artist. Yeah. Uh, are we are we actually choosing? the correct songs, you know, are we actually nominating the correct people here? Right. And then I guess to play devil's advocate again, like there's no correct technically at all of this. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? and I would like to so, point out everybody bitches about the Grammys right. every, every year. But to me, it seems like unfathomable, like just to think about like the weekend, not being in here since like literally I personally could not escape this song. People I knew were just talking about forever, yeah. you know, and I, it's just kind of like one of those things where I'm like, why is this not, you know, accounted for? And so like, I think again, there's a Grammy's identity crisis also on top of my absolute relative argument of, is this an industry thing or is this like, we're talking about like what the public wants, you know what I mean? Well, there's the industry and then there's the inner industry. Right. And And I think this is an inner, inner, inner industry thing. Right. Where, where it's so gatekeeped that like not even the gatekeepers can get into the parking lot. Right. And so like, that's kind of like what I'm, curious about is striking that balance in between the two. Now, if we're talking about popularity argument, the only one that I think really accounts popularity is the best new artist category because there's a statement in it where basically the music has to break through into the public consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's the only one that I think I like like, that terminology, public consciousness. Yeah. I think that's the only one that like verbatim says like you have to be in popularity to an extent the rest of them are like oh this is a songwriter award for like song of the year and that it has to be in the release year and it has to oh wait actually it says achieve prominence during the eligibility year so like that's also a a question you know like Mm -hmm. what is prominence you know what i mean so like that's also it and so that's kind of the thing that i would say with the weekend is like the transparency thing is weird like what, what, what do you guys judge prominence, prominence on? Like, do you judge it on like, oh, this was prominent because of the particular sound of this? And it sounds like, you know, like Billie Eilish has a very unique sound. And let's say like, oh, it was prominent, but it had this very unique sound to it. So it was prominent. So does that make it more prominent than something that's just like cookie cutter song? Yeah. That's like, we've heard this cookie song 50 pop. times. You know, yeah. I mean, it it really comes down to I think everyone just has a different opinion of what the Grammys are, and I I don't think it's ever going to fit everybody's opinion of it. Right, and so I agree. I still think it's like a thing that I personally will follow. It's like probably yeah. in my opinion, like the one that I look at the most. Absolutely, because of how hard it is to get it. It's Grammy. still the top uh, award for music. It right. is still it publicly. It is still the top award. Right. And like, it seems to me that, you know, at, at least the, to me, the Grammys are trying to, you know, put innovation in their field and stuff like that. But it seems that the speed I is would, not there. I would argue they're trying maybe to make it look like they're doing that. But I think this list this year shows, uh, 
Maybe not. I think we <laughs> can make that argument for most Grammys, to be honest with you. It's just more of like, you know, like for instance, I think the Grammy, like we've talked about this actually on the podcast, the Grammy inner ruling uh, voting changes where like you couldn't have, you had to recuse yourself basically, yeah. you know, if you had some relation to something like this. Again, it was like self-recusal and stuff like that. So I'm like, well, that's not, you know, you could just say, no, I didn't. Yeah. But like and at the same time, it's better in. than nothing. So I'm glad that that change is there. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's very, it's the voting is mu- very complicated. And to become a Grammy voter, it, it is, you have to even yourself have some level of prestige within the industry. Oh, to get, lo- hey, to hey get hit there. me up. I will do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll do it. Like, come on, let's host. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. To host we host Trevor Noah. Yeah. Let's get Trevor Noah. <laughs> um, another notable thing with the Grammys is that the rock category had all women in uh, best rock performance. Uh, which I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, technically, technically, Big Thief is a band, but they're, I think the front runner of it is a woman. Yep. Uh, so, like, techn- you know, technicality. Uh, like, it, it's like me being like, all oh, the guys on, you know, this record are, are every, it's like, I guess if you wanted to go by that rule, so then Haim is the only one, but then do we do it? How do we end that? The recording engineer wasn't a woman? Yeah. Like, she's, let people have it. She's yeah, one of the main songwriters, too. So Right. You know what I mean? So, like, some, I just saw people being jerks about it, and I was just like, hey, you can calm down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, and so that was cool. So, like, that, you know, that's a thing that I think with, you know, the Grammys is kind of innovative is having that and not all men. Well, and I think this year too is just so different. And and like you said, off mic, you were like, I think people are just really honing. Like they're really honing in this year specifically because this is all we have. Yeah. So (laughs) I'll tell you why. So here's my theory. If you want to know it, because if you win a Grammy, you told you tweet it like you're king of the world, right? Usual. Well, here's the thing all these bands and all these people that usually tour have lost a lot of content for their stuff. They've and lost money. the story. Yeah. And money. So they've lost the stories of them at the concert. They've lost the ability to film things due to COVID restrictions and stuff like that. They've lost so much and stuff like that. But the one thing that's still going relatively normal is the Grammys. So I feel like in terms of, if you're thinking, well, it seems like people are really getting mad at the Grammys right now. I think one, they've always been mad, but two, I think that they, a lot of these artists are like, we would really, really like it to win a Grammy because that means that we'll have more eyes already in the cluttered internet space that's come up from COVID because so many people are like, buy this, buy this, buy this on the internet, even more than usual are like, we need a guiding light for a bunch of people to go. You should listen to this music. Mm-hmm. And the Grammys is one of the things that has not gone down. Unlike, you know, you being at a concert and being like, Oh, I love this song. I listen to the song later. I add it to my playlist. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a thing. I, I, I think that, um, I think it's going to be interesting. What's going to happen. I think it's going to be, well, COVID is always a huge thing, especially with doing live performances and stuff. Um, I think that I, I don't think necessarily we're going to see like a big like protest or something, you know, like I don't think we're going to see like a no. We have decided as a music industry not to watch it or something like yeah. I don't think we're going to see that. I think it's a relatively at least, normal. At least level. not this year, but maybe right. Um, <laughs> maybe down the road if if we I get think, sick of it. I think no. personally, the only time we would ever see that is we would have to come together and go. You have to just not care that you want a Grammy. Like you would have to, you would, it's not that, oh, we're not going to watch it or no. It's that even if you have a 
Grammy, you're not going to tout your right. Grammy. Right. You, you have to act like it's a non-issue yeah. from an artist perspective. You know what I mean? And that's going to be the thing that, like, look, well, you can get as many people as you want not to watch it and the advertisers and stuff. I get it. It's still, that hurts the Grammys because of advertising revenue and ratings and stuff like that. So I guess you are. But in terms of get it, if you wanted to get, like, if you're the person at the end of this that's like, I want to get rid of this completely, this shit is stupid then the way that you would have to get rid of it is to get the entire industry to go, we don't give a fuck about it. I'm not going to go put it on, you know, a, my ad on Instagram that says I'm a Grammy winner. Yeah, but I mean, we're, <laughs> that'll a, long, never happen we're a long way from that. So. That'll never happen in my opinion, unless, you know, unless there's some other new award that comes in the field. But again, the Grammys also has so much prestige because they've been around so long. Yep. So like, it's just even multiple, like, you know, the Grammys have been around for like, what, like almost close to a hundred years. No, 63. Sorry. Not close. Uh, <laughs> so 63, like, it, like three centuries, right? <laughs> three centuries. The Grammys like Bach won one in like 1770. Uh, but like, no, like basically, uh, what I'm saying is like the more time that goes on with the Grammys, the more prestige it adds. Cause yeah. it'll be like, this is a hundred year award show. And you're going to tell me that this Grammy thing doesn't matter. There's been a hundred years of great music. Well, I think what's funny too, are the guys who lose and they're like, you know, I never really wanted it anyways. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just like, sure okay. buddy. <laughs> yeah. There look, I, I think if you wanted to make a power move as an artist, you would go, when you win the Grammy, you go, this shit is stupid. Y'all are so like, you get up there and you say that that's what it is. But I if you're on is, the, I think there is an artist who keeps their Grammys in the bathroom. I yeah, can't remember who, like but somebody does that. But like, that's the way to do it. But if you're on the sideline, especially if you weren't even nominated and you're like, the Grammys are dumb, then everyone's just like, you're just mad because you didn't get nominated. Yeah. You know, like, and you that's kind of... You didn't get invited to the birthday party, Paul. Right. Like, and especially... I don't, I don't care about your taste. Especially when you're an artist that puts out music that's not as much in the public sphere and you do that, that's fine. The reason the weekend had so many people rally behind him is because you cannot escape blinding lights no matter what you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I well, it's interesting. I think like this is not going to be the only conversation we have over the Grammys. It's going to be every year. It's every all the year. Time. <laughs> yeah, we're going to I mean, I could talk about it for years. If you really want to, if you're so interested, I if I get one person that goes, "Colin, I want you to go through the whole Grammys. I was like, I will stream direct to you through FaceTime and go, this is my pick. <laughs> this FaceTime. is my pick. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I don't even care if anybody else sees it. But if somebody was actually interested in that, I would do that for you because I like doing that. That's fun. And we have some yeah. extra content that we're doing. It's not going to be the whole thing. Tell them that right now because I, me and Joe don't have a lot of biased opinions about the children's category of the Grammys. Uh, but like, <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Baby Shark shouldn't win. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> Fuck but, that song. But like, yeah. So you're, we're going to have some content on that on YouTube if you're interested in that of like kind of the big category. So if you're interested in that, hit me, then do that. If you're interested in the whole thing, hit me up. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get to our songs. Joe, what have you been listening to? I've been listening to I Feel Live, uh, the album by Tops, uh, which is a great band. Oh yeah, you told me to listen. Yeah, they're really good. I'm uh, I'm really into them. Um, and I've been listening to a guy named Charlie Brand, uh, who actually has another band that's a bit more popular. I can't, um, their name is escaping me right now. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, he's got a solo record that he put out way back. Um, but it's it's super, I don't know. It's just, there's something calming about the whole record and it's, it's very uh, musical and it's just something that you can, 
come back to and hear something new every single time. Yeah. So I, I try to do that a lot. And then also I've been listening again to uh, my girl, Minnie Trees, uh, her, uh, I guess, EP, Slip Away, um, which is great. And uh, yeah, the last person was Bad Bunny that I listened to. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, here, here's my little tirade for the week as I always get to this section. I listen to all of After Hours from the weekend. And here's my thing. If you are tired of blinding lights, and you're like, okay, this song is just okay. Because that's my opinion. Sorry. I, I think it's just okay. The Do not sleep on the rest of the album. Because I think there's about three or four tracks on here that I'm like, why the fuck have I never heard of this music? Because it's so much better than Blinding Lights, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, the first single they did was Heartless, which I really, really like. Um, and it's like, it's just got this energy to it. That's really nice. Not to be confused with Kanye West. Uh, but like, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, just not got, a cover. It's got really... Uh, I don't know. It's just really good in that. Like the thing that, and again, uh, we'll talk about Grammys more in another video, but like after hours, I think totally could have been an album of the year. And I think that's the strongest category other than just bias popularity. If it was in it that I would put it in, like I feel like it should win because the album itself does a very good job in this day and age, which is a rarity of being an album in terms of there's a theme to it tracks meld into one another it seems like these songs were created to go into one another flow you know you go to a high point you go low down you go you know is it a like, concept album i don't or think is it? it is okay um but like it seems like it has the same but it vibe. definitely has like th- this is an album this is right an album creation. i think with with it it's like here's my thing with it i think that like um when people say that artists have periods like they have periods of their career. Like this is a specific sound that's a period of their career. That's what this album feels like because it feels like one cohesive sound throughout it instead of like, you know, we're listening to a bunch of singles, which is what a lot of streaming does and feels like. Like I will say this, I don't like the album, but Taylor Swift Folklore has like a concept feel to it even though I don't feel it's like a concept yeah. album. It just has like a cohesive sound and so yeah, careful Colin. there's a lot of taylor swift fans who are going to be listening i mean we've already talked <laughs> we, about the we don't want to get uh don't don't hurt us please <laughs> yeah so like basically what i'm saying is like that i mean i have to award her for that too is what i'm saying is like that's i think it's a very lost art in streaming is doing that and like it's ironic because all these people release albums quote unquote and it feels like i'm listening to like my dad's records when it's like the sixties records where they literally just used to be like, um, Gary and the pacemakers greatest songs. <laughs> and it's like 10 songs that are like all, you know, the same band and, but Gary it doesn't and the pacemaker. That's a real band. Oh, it's Jerry. Serious? It's Jerry and the pacemakers. Oh my God. They were rivals <laughs> to the Beatles at one point in their career. Um, but, wow. Um, not <laughs> really, but Continue. like very minorly. Um, but like, yeah, anyway, I like heartless. I like harder to love. And I like In Your Eyes. Those are all great songs that I think even if you don't like Blinding Lights, you probably like. Um, so, yeah, I that, that's the main one I listened to and was like, okay. Other than that, I listened to a lot of the Grammy stuff, um, just on a giant car ride home uh, from stuff. And I would also recommend uh, this Her song that kind of blew. We're, not, we're probably not going to end up talking about this category, but it blew the... Um, it blew like the whole record. Like it's a one-off song, but it blew the category out in my opinion, which is for song of the year. And it's like, I can't breathe 
um it's a great fucking song like it just feels like you're listening to it and you're like this is 2020 right here it's very you know politically uh minded and stuff like that so i guess if you're not a fan of that then you probably won't like this song but i i really like it it's got a really nice she really hits the core of like her sound of being that kind of slow jam stuff uh, but she does that like it's the kind of music where you just want to go like mm, like all the time with your head <laughs> like literally like that yeah and, uh, but like mm, yeah, yeah yeah that's kind of like what it feels like and then like she does the spoken word part at the end that i hate fucking spoken word 90 percent of the time especially when it's not you tell like, me you don't like slam poetry dude when it's not rhythmic yes when it's like <laughs> when it's like literally you know when when you make a here, Oh, major poet. If you make a poem out there and it's like a form or whatever, and it has like no scheme to it, you don't even have to fucking rhyme, but please just have like a pattern or anything in it that I can enjoy instead of you just talking in a weird rhythm. Cause that's all it is. But she does that and it hits with the beat the entire time. Like literally like she says a line and like it'll line up with the beat, but it's not rapping. It's spoken word. Like it's just very well done spoken word. Yeah. So yeah, I I just wanted to go on a limb of that two things, um, but uh, that's that show this baby. Thanks for listening to That Showbiz Baby Podcast, your all things music business and media podcast. You can follow us on our socials, Twitter at Showbiz Baby Pod, Facebook and Instagram at That Showbiz Baby Podcast, or email us That Showbiz Baby Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff planned for the future, uh, a lot of deep dive episodes that we're planning on getting to, and we are just so excited for you guys to keep listening. So thanks again.